Good morning, everyone. Uh, welcome to BYU. Thank you for being here. Uh, it's a great day for BYU football as we introduce our offensive coordinator, Jeff Grimes. Um, throughout our conversations and our communication and throughout the past few weeks, it's pretty, pretty evident that uh, Coach Grimes loves his players, enjoys his role as a mentor, and gets the most out of his players both on and off the field. I look forward to him to making that impact here at BYU football. Uh, he brings us through 25 years of solid experience in the coaching profession, uh, many of those years in the highest level of college football, and uh, really, in, really excited about the direction of our offense and look forward to you guys getting to know him better uh, as I introduce our offensive coordinator at BYU, Jeff Grimes. Good morning. Um, excited to be here. Uh, extremely grateful for the opportunity to come back and be at a place that, that I love. I prepared some notes because I like to be organized. Um, but I'm really, really thankful to be here. Um, thankful to President Worthen, uh, Vice President Richardson, Tom Homo, Coach Satake for giving me this opportunity to come back and be a part of a program that I think is really special. I also want to say a, a thanks to uh, a lot of my former players who uh, who really jumped out and, and gave me a lot of support through this process and encouraged me to uh, make an attempt to come back and and um, you know guys like Jake Caressa and Eddie Keel and uh, Dallas and Lance Jr. Um, uh, Terrence Brown, um, Ray Finger, Sete Aulai, just a few of the guys. And I know anytime you bring up individuals, you run risk of leaving someone out, so I apologize. But those are just some of the guys that I heard from and some of the guys that, that supported me in this endeavor. And, and I want to I really say a thank you to them because those guys are the ones that, that it's really all about and having an opportunity to have an impact on lives and build relationships that last. Um, it was a number of years ago that I first got to know those guys and uh, obviously still have a very strong relationship with them. Um, one of the things that I think is important for any guy in a position of leadership is to state what your goals are and, and where you're headed. And I think my most immediate goals are, number one, to work to put together with, with Coach Satake the best offensive staff that BYU has ever had. And I know what that means because there have been a lot of great coaches here over the years. But I really believe in, in this time and in this place we can do that. Um, my next goal is to get to know the players. I met a few of them yesterday, uh, which was, was really cool. Um, just seemed very, very excited to, to be around and get to know me and, and see where we're headed and chomping at the bit to get to work. Uh, the next thing will be get to know some of these recruits. I know we're just about done in recruiting, but an opportunity to get to know those guys and for them to have an opportunity to, to talk to me I think will be important. And then lastly is to go beat Notre Dame in the Citrus Bowl, which I know doesn't have anything to do with BYU, but it does have something to do with me and, and the commitment that I made to LSU and those players there. And um, obviously I've had four great years there and have strong relationships with, with Coach O and uh, have a great amount of respect for him, and I'm grateful for the opportunity that he gave me. And I want to go back and finish the job that I started there. And then looking forward to being here sometime shortly after that bowl game. 
I've had a lot of questions about what kind of offense are you going to run? What's what's the BYU offense going to look like? And um, I'm I'm happy to talk about that. Um, I'm I'm very very blessed in that in 25 years of coaching, I've been a lot of places, and I think at times that can be both a blessing and a curse. But in my case, I think it's been a real blessing, and I've been around some some great offensive minds all the way back to when I first started coaching high school football in, in Texas, learning from a guy named Tom Work, who was a great high school uh, coach and a great offensive coach, and we scored a ton of points, and I, and I learned about how to take advantage of what the defense gives you. Working for guys like Dirk Cutter and Gus Malzahn and Matt Canada this last year, some of the guys who I think are some of the best offensive minds in the entire country, has given me a great breadth of experience, and I, and I think um, the width of experience that I've been able to gain over all these years gives me a broad knowledge base that will allow me to put together the best system for, for BYU right now. And I think that's the most important thing. Um, when, you, when you look at building an offense, I think the first thing you want to do is, is build the culture. You want to build the mindset that's right because there are a lot of different ways to move the football and score points. Um, but with the right guys, who are willing to give all that they have, you have an opportunity to be successful in whichever style that you choose. Um, when I was at Auburn, the old coach there, Pat Dye, used to come by my office every so often. He liked me because I was the offensive line coach and he liked running the football. And he'd come by and talk to me. And one of the, one of the things he used to say all the time is, you know, you can coach them just as hard as you're willing to love them. And I think that's true. And I think that would describe my approach to a large extent. And we're going to be very demanding, um, but we're going to love the guys too. And I think through that um, being demanding and caring about them, you have the opportunity to build trust. And the end result is a guy that's willing to go out there and play. And the reason he's willing to go out there and play is because you've invested in him. And I think that that combination of love and demand creates a player that has self-worth and has confidence and feels a real purpose and belonging in what he's doing. And that's, that's the real magic of making any system work or making any team or organization work. Beyond that, then you, then you go to, to, okay, what's it going to look like more specifically? Um, I think it's really, really important that you build an offense around the skill set that you have. And I think you can look at that in two ways. One, what's What's it going to look like long term? What type of players do you have here that will allow you to have success for a long period of time? And then who do you have right now, this year, that's going to allow you to win this season? And I think um, we'll combine both of those things. Um, it'll look, it'll look um, I think, like a lot of the different things that I've done. Um, my goal is to put together the best combination of all the systems that I've been a part of and build a system that's flexible enough to fit exactly what we have here this year, but be um, open enough to do something a little bit different if a particular guy gets hurt or you, you have a different guy in that position the following year. Um, I believe in being creative and um, giving the defense a lot to look at, diversionary tactics such as shifts and motions and um, forcing the defense to defend a variety of things, whether you're talking about the tempo at which you snap the ball, um, the way you line up 
the personnel groups that you have on the field. Um, I believe in a lot of variety as far as that goes. I believe in balance, and you can achieve balance in a lot of different ways. You know, if you listen to Mike Leach talk about balance, he talks about having balance in terms of ball distribution, whether you hand it off or whether you run it. To him, it doesn't matter. If you listen to a team that, that runs it all the time, like uh, one of the academies or Georgia Tech, they talk about balance by giving the ball in a run scheme to a lot of different guys. So there are a lot of ways to create balance. But I look at the field, the football field, as a battleground. And if you look at it as a battleground, then you want to force the enemy to defend a broad front and make them defend the entire width and depth of the field. And so we'll have the ability to attack the field both horizontally and vertically, both through the running game and the passing game. And, and there may be certain games where we emphasize one over the other. I'm a big believer in taking advantage of what the defense gives you. And typically when you do that in the fourth quarter, you're going to find yourself where you want to be. Um, another question that I'm sure a lot of guys have is what about the fact that you don't have play calling experience. Um, on one hand, that's true. On another hand, I, I don't think that it is. I've been in a lot of games over the 25 years that I've coached where somebody from the press box gets to me on the headphones and it may be a critical fourth and one situation to continue a drive or score a touchdown that may win the game. Um, hey, Grimey, give me a call. And in that situation, whether it be for a conference championship, national championship, uh, whatever the case may be, it's my job to, to give the right call. And I've done that uh, everywhere that I've been for a number of years. And I feel like if I can make that call in that situation, then I can make any call. I also think one thing that's interesting is that, you know, a lot is made of what's called on game day. But... In most cases, the truth behind it is that most calls are made on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday in your preparation. In my opinion, if you're doing the job right, then most of that happens long before you get to third and four from the 25-yard line. And so we'll be a staff that's going to work really, really hard in preparation. And long before we get to those situations, we'll know what our best calls are going to be knowing that at the same time there will be a moment when you got to make a gut instinct call, and, and I like that as well. The other thing that I think is important to emphasize is that um, this, is not, this is not me. It's going to be we. Um, anytime you put together a collection of coaches, um, I think the most valuable thing you can do is gain information from everybody that's there and use that information. And I want as many guys around me who have – as much or more knowledge or different types of knowledge than I have as possible. Um, former President Lyndon Johnson once said, there are no problems that we cannot solve together. And there are very few that we can solve on our own. And I think that's true. And obviously, um, my job here is to get the offense right. Uh, but that's not just going to be my job. That's going to be us working collectively as a staff. It's going to be Coach Sataki and the strength coaches and the academic people and everyone that's involved in the program helping us move forward, score a lot of points, and have a lot of fun. So one other thing I, I found interesting is I started just thinking about this because I got a number of questions from people. What about you never called the place? And I started thinking about some of the guys that I've been around um, I think it's been noted that I played for, for Andy Reid in college, and I bring him up because he was an offensive line coach for 
a long time in his career before he at one point began calling plays. Um, Robert and I, who I worked with here as well, was an offensive line coach and then began calling plays here and we had a lot of success and there are countless other examples that, that you could find and whoever puts the best example in your, in your article, I'll buy you a cheeseburger. <laughs> so with that, I'm open to questions. Go ahead, Pat. No, and we're really not under any definite time frame on that. Um, obviously, Kalani and I have been, have been talking about it a lot, um, but we're going to take our time and get the right guys here. Hey, how you doing? You, you mentioned in the uh, article in The Advocate that you had a couple other opportunities to be offensive coordinator at various times in your career, and timing just wasn't right. What about this situation led you to believe that timing was right? Um, well, number one, it was right for my family, the right timing for them. My daughter's a senior, and when we moved to Louisiana, it was her seventh state in 13 years. And she had the ability to go to the same high school all four years, and, and that was really cool. And um, the fact that she'll be graduating this year kind of helps. Um, I think the timing um, was right for me to do this. and. I really think the knowledge that I've gained uh, the past few years at LSU, being in the position to to design um, a lot of the game plan, both with Matt this year, um, with Steve Insminger the year before, with Cam Cameron before that, I think the knowledge I gained there really added to uh, the knowledge base I had prior. And so I think that's another part of the timing. And then I think the timing is right for BYU to have a guy like me in this position. Kareem Copeland Associated Press. How you doing? Um, you talked a little bit about what you want the offense to look like. Do you do you see your quarterback under center? Do you see yourself being more shotgun? And I know you adapt to who you have, but eventually when you start recruiting, can you describe what you're looking for in a quarterback um, once you get to that point where you're bringing someone in fresh? Yeah, yeah that's a great question. Um, number one, I think you want your quarterback to be a winner and you want him to be a leader. He doesn't have to be the leader of the team, but it works a whole lot better when he is. And so I want a guy there um, that is competitive and is tough and is the kind of guy that steps into the huddle and commands respect. So number one of the intangibles that you're looking for. Um, secondly, I think you need a guy that's intelligent, regardless of what style of offense you're running. At some point, he's got to make a quick decision on where to go with the ball. And I don't want a guy that's standing back there patting it because he can't make a decision about whether the flat's open or not. Um, I'd like to have a guy that's athletic. I think it certainly adds to your offense, but that should never take away from his ability to throw the football. He's a quarterback because he can throw first. And if he has the ability to run the football, that makes him even better. But I would never turn down a great quarterback who's a great thrower, who's a winner, but may not be the best athlete. And, and often I've found uh, over the years that if a guy isn't a great athlete, they don't necessarily expect him to run. And if you do it two or three times a game, he can run for seven yards and stumble and fall down, and you move on to second and three. David James from uh, Channel 2 and 1280. Yeah, how you doing? Uh, have you had a chance to watch much film and assess the, the talent level, especially at skill positions? 
I really haven't. Um, I've been I've been so wrapped up in in our season and recruiting for LSU. To be honest with you, I haven't. Um, but I know the type of talent that BYU is is typically going to attract, and feel very confident that we're going to have enough to get the job done. Not Jay Drew, Salt Lake Tribune. Yeah. When you LSU faced BYU four months ago, what are your recollections of BYU's offense, and or did you even watch it as as kind of on the other side of the ball? I see zero. I have, I have absolutely no knowledge of what goes on on the other side of the ball in the game. I get that question all the time. My kids or some, somebody that's a fan or just a buddy, hey, how about that play when so-and-so did this? Got no idea. So, no, I can't, I can't answer that question. I'm, I'm typically uh, busy making adjustments with my guys. And, and the, only, the only series I ever see is the very first series of the game if the other team wins the toss and takes the ball. Hey, Greg. Greg Rubel with the BYU Sports Network. Yeah. Uh, you've had a lot of former teams over the years, but have you kept any kind of eye on BYU over the years, even just anecdotally of how the program's going? Yeah, I have, just because I, I, I know so many people in and around the program, friends that, that are here, friends that live here, friends that um, – former players, all of that. And so I've watched from afar, um, and um, it's always been a place that, that I love. It's one. It, it's a. I should go back. I shouldn't say always. When I was a player, I hated BYU. I played at UTEP in the old WAC, and uh, BYU was the only team that we could never beat. And um, so I hated them because they were so good. Um, but since my time coaching here, I've loved BYU and just had such positive memories. And so I've, from afar, um, shared joy in, in the victories and disappointment in the losses. Um, but any more specifically than that, you know, we're so busy during the season with, with our responsibilities. Um, hadn't had a chance to see a whole lot. Yeah, it's also 1280. I feel privileged. <laughs> what's, your, what's your previous association with Kalani Sataki? What was that first contact like? Uh, did you make contact? Did you make contact? Um, well, Kalani and I knew each other when uh, I was here, and he was at that other school, and um, always had a great respect for him. Um, talked to some of the other guys that were on the staff about him over the years, and just a, a, an unbelievable amount of respect for him as a person and as a coach. And so that was something that um, made this intriguing for me, even beyond the fact that it was a place that, that I'd really like to be. Um, I did not reach out. Um, I'm not going to say there haven't been times in my career that I've promoted myself for certain jobs, but this this was not one. I didn't I didn't have to. There were there were a number of people uh, that reached out to him on my behalf, and um, I, I'm old school in that I believe you should do things a certain way. And so, when someone asked me if it would be okay to to talk with Coach Satake, I said, "Yeah, but he needs to talk with Coach O first. And I'm sure that's something that he was planning on doing anyway. And so, um, once once he had done that, we were both going different directions in recruiting, and it took a little bit longer than either one of us wanted, I think, to finally hook up. Um, but it was a great conversation, and and um, we talked for a long time, and and uh, I think immediately immediately clicked and. 
hope, hopefully I don't embarrass him by saying this, but when we hung up after a lengthy conversation, he, he, he looked at how long we've been talking. He said, wow, the, I think the last time I talked to somebody on the phone this long, I was in ninth grade. <laughs> <laughs> and so it, it was a great conversation, and, and uh, I, I think he and I both felt right away that this was something that could work. Hey, Dick. Dick Harvard, yeah. uh, this is probably the question that Kalani would need to answer, but this year they had ten, a 10th coach and added to the staff. Have you talked about if that would be on the offensive side? Have you lobbied so that maybe you could get that extra coach on your side? A good coach is always recruiting for the opportunity to make his side of the ball better. <laughs> and you're right in your first assumption. That's a question for Coach Sataki. Yeah. Your experience here before, does that give you a greater understanding of the challenges that are unique to BYU as opposed to the many other places that you've been with the honor code, the missionary factor, all of those different things coming in now as the offensive coordinator? It certainly gives me more knowledge of the situation. Um, I don't know that I'd like to call them challenges, though. I think it gives me more knowledge of the situation and gives me um, – an opportunity to come in with my eyes wide open. And every place that you coach has um, certain inherent conditions that um, you might consider assets or liabilities. I believe in accentuating the positives and, and recruiting to that. And if I'm recruiting um, for BYU, am I going to recruit a different type of uh, profile that I might if I'm recruiting at LSU in some cases yeah I certainly will um, is that a challenge no it's a matter of finding the right guy for this place at this time and I think the fact that I've been here before um, allows me to come in with a knowledge of that and it allows me to come in with with an understanding of of what our assets are right away yeah, great. In 2005, your second season here, it was Robert's first year as his play caller. Mm -hmm. From that BC game, the opener, through the end of the year, what's your perspective on how he developed as a play caller, going from O-line to play calling, kind of game one, learning on the fly? Do you have any recollections of how that season went with him you know, doing it for the first time? Yeah, I, I certainly do. Um, I guess what I'm thinking about is the the evolution of him and um, us as a staff recognizing how to build a system that year around the, the skill sets that we had rather than him as a play caller. I, I don't honestly don't um, know that I saw any difference in in how he called plays. He, he may have called different types of plays as the season went on, but I think that was more a reflection of us as a staff recognizing that, okay, here are our strengths and let's work around those strengths a little bit more and and if you remember that year we kind of shifted gears a little bit particularly after the San Diego State game and moved towards one that I think fit a little bit more of what we had at the time and was a little bit more of that and maybe a little bit less of what it had looked like at Texas Tech for him um, but I didn't feel like he ever had any trouble calling plays, and I, I didn't feel like there was a difference in how he went about doing that. I think there was a difference in the type of plays that we called because there was um, there was an epiphany for us in recognizing how we were going to win games on offense. Yeah, Sometimes offensive coordinators will have a position responsibility, at least to a degree. 
you anticipate doing that with the offensive line, or we have a specific offensive line coach? I'm not sure yet. We're still working through all of those things, and I think there are a lot of different ways this thing could go. Speaking of staff, do you have a feel? I know you guys haven't you haven't gotten all the way into it, but do you have a feel of you've got a group of guys in mind that you'd like to bring along? Do you feel that there may be an opportunity to keep some guys that are previous here? How do you? I guess I know you haven't gone through it, but do you have a feel of how you'll build out that staff? We've been talking about a lot of possibilities, and only time will tell which direction that we choose to go. Um, have you met with the players here yet? And so what message do you have for them? No, I, have, I haven't met with them. I, I saw a few and met a few yesterday um, when I walked in. And uh, it, it, was, it was really cool. There was just, there was really a neat vibe when I met those guys. I mean, they were, they were very excited to meet me. And I saw a, I saw a, a light in their eye about, about football and, hey, what are we going to do? And um, I'm, I'm so glad to be here and meet you. And, and I felt the same way. Um, my, my message to them um, was that I can't wait to get here and get to work. There were uh, five or six guys in Kalani's office yesterday, and we were talking. And they said, well, when are you going to be here? And I said, well, I'm just going to be here until tomorrow, and then I'll be back after the bowl game. And they said, man, I really want to get to work. Well, let's go outside and get a little walkthrough in right now. <laughs> and they were game. but. Um, no, I'm looking forward to that. That's, as I said in my introduction, it's about the players. It's not about the coaches. And I just, I loved the players that I had while I was here. And the fact that here this many years later, I still have relationships with a lot of those guys. Um, that means a lot to me. And, and um, I really relish the opportunity to, to coach the kind of guys that we have at BYU. Yeah. Mitch Arbery, ESPN 960. When this job uh, became a possibility, did you reach out to Bronco Mendenhall or even Gary Crow and to kind of get some feedback on this job? Um, I talked to more people about this job probably than all of the people combined that I've spoken with about all of my previous jobs. Um, and I would choose not to mention any specific names, but the message from everyone that I talk to is that the program is moving in the right direction. Kalani is an awesome dude and a great coach, and there's enough talent there to win. All they need is somebody to provide a little bit of hope and vision and structure, and you ought to take the job. Yeah, great. It's maybe too early, but you may have an inclination uh, are you, you see yourself being a booth guy or a field guy, and what are the different perspectives that you have on what a coordinator or where a coordinator should be on a game day? Yeah, that's a great question, and I don't have the answer yet. Um, so in my 25 years of coaching, I spent one half in the press box, and it was, at, it was actually at LSU when I was coaching at Auburn. And Gus Malzahn was the coordinator at the time, and Gus was dying for me to go up in the press box. And I've never believed that the offensive line coach should be in the press box, regardless of the situation. But he just <coughs> kept begging me, kept begging me, I need your help, I need more information. And so I don't know if he convinced me into it. I, I, I don't know why I agreed to it, but I did for a half. And as I'm sitting up in the press box, I'm watching my offensive line, 
halfway pay attention to what's going on and halfway watch the game out on the field. In the meantime, we're getting our teeth kicked in by LSU. And I came down at halftime and I looked at Gus and I said, I'm coming down and I'm never doing that again. <laughs> that was a different situation at a different time. Um, I'll do whatever's best for the team, and I think I could do either. Um, I, think, I think the relationship that I have and what I will bring to the table, which is certainly not everything, but it's some of what we'll, what we'll do as an offensive staff, um, is something that, that works well on the sideline. Um, however, I think it's ultimately a great situation for the coordinator to sit up top and see everything from a bird's eye view. So I think it will depend on some of the personalities that we have on the staff. And um, that means both what can get done on the sideline and what can get done in the box. Time for probably three or four more questions. Go ahead. Coach Rams, Jay Catch from the zone. Um, with all of the coaches you've worked with, what has been the biggest influence with, for you moving into this position from their, learning from their perspective, being offensive coordinators? The biggest influence? Yeah. What, what, what are you taking most, I guess, away from those guys that you think you can carry into this job? Um, well, I think, as I said when I first started talking about offense, the, the offenses that do well, and you can look across the country, there are a lot of different ways to score points. The ones that do well are the ones who do things a certain way. They execute the way they take the field says something about who they are, the way they break the huddle and get to the line of scrimmage, the fact that you don't have silly pre-snap penalties because a guy doesn't know how to line up or they false start. Um, you don't turn the football over. You play hard and you play physical and you establish your will in the fourth quarter and, and win those close games because you've done things right up to that point. Um, th this year at LSU, we had Eight, eight giveaways on the whole season. Four of those were in one game. Um, I think we either either led the nation or, or tied for the fewest in the, in the country or whatever. And we didn't do anything magical. We just preached it every single day and held the players accountable and, and helped them realize that when you're carrying that football in your hand, you're carrying the, the entire program in your hand. And so those things are the things that allow an offense to be successful. And the, and the good offensive coordinators I've been around have demanded that from their staff and from the players. And we'll do that. What are your memories of recruiting to a unique place like BYU compared to some of your other stops? Um, easier. <laughs> um, your, your, um, your net is smaller because you're recruiting a, a smaller percentage of the population. Um, enjoyable because of the type of kids and families that you're dealing with. Um, I enjoyed it a great deal. I mean, re recruiting is an extension of coaching. Um, you're just beginning to build a relationship with the guys you're going to coach a year or nowadays two or three years prior to that. Um, and so recruit, the reason that I, that I enjoy recruiting here is the same reason that, that I enjoy coaching here. And, and I'll be honest with you, recruiting um, for eight of the past nine years in the SEC um, will, will be an asset. It, it will help me because I've, I've learned how to recruit in the most competitive of environments. Last question. Did you care about it?
Uh, Jeremiah Jensen, KSL. Yeah, Jeremiah. With the offensive tradition here, sometimes fair unfair is created high expectations. Do you embrace the pressure that comes with and the scrutiny that's going to come with being the offensive coordinator if you want to? I don't like to call it pressure because I, you know, when I feel pressure, I feel pressure when I'm watching my daughter play volleyball. I feel pressure when I'm watching my son play his sixth grade football game or my ninth grade son Garrison play lacrosse or even my little one Jada play basketball. That, I get nervous watching them play. In regards to my position, people ask me all the time, hey, were you nervous in the game today? But I'm too busy to be nervous. And we're going to be too busy building a great offense to worry about pressure or um, um, influences from the outside. Now I realize that there are a lot of people that have a lot at stake here and that I recognize. Their responsibility to um, Cougar Nation, to the BYU family, to the administration and the other coaches here, um, I recognize that responsibility and will do everything in my power to live up to the responsibility of the job. But no one will put any more pressure on, on, on me or the offensive staff than we'll put on ourselves.